Okay. Anyway, praise the Lord. Let's look at uh, <clears throat> uh, being a citizen of the kingdom. You know, uh, you know, citizen. Like we're a citizen of of Huntsville, or you could say I'm a United States citizen. Well, the reason you'd even say that is because it means something. Otherwise, you wouldn't care. I mean, what do you care? You know, what does it mean to you? Well, being a citizen of the United States, we understand that it means a lot because even in our education that we have grown up, we've heard of other nations where people are not what? They're not free or whatever. Well, there's something about uh, the uh, kingdom of God and being a citizen of that. So let's, let's look at something very interesting here. Uh, let me close this down. Let's get down here to where Jesus mentioned something here. This is in Luke chapter 17. And uh, here we go right here. Notice verse 20. One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God begin? I mean, a lot of people talk about this a bunch. You know, well, you know, one day all this stuff's going to pass away. Well, yeah, we know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's going to be another kingdom. But watch this. Some people came to Jesus. Now, remember, they're not on his side. They're trying to start a fight. They're trying to get him to say something wrong so that they can accuse him because all the multitudes were what? Following Jesus. And there's a reason they were following Jesus. It's just basic, basic, basic intelligence because Jesus was helping them. He wasn't like hands on his hips saying, well, if you straighten up your life, I'll think about taking you to heaven. No, Jesus was already explaining to them that uh, <clears throat> he would take them to heaven. And they weren't going to get there based on themselves being good. It was based on Jesus. But anyway, <clears throat> all their needs were being met. It was just amazing. It was like Jesus was teaching them, the only thing you need is me. It's exactly what he said in Revelation 3.20. I'm standing at the door knocking. And that's written to a church. That, that actually should say me right there. <laughs> it's just like today. There are things on your heart and on my heart. I mean, I admit, because it's the way it is. Because Peter admitted it for us. Casting your cares over upon him. He says, oh, if you got some people in the church that got some cares. Man, we all do. Psalm 55, 22. I, always, I remember that because I remember a football player, number 55, and I remember a football player, number 22. So Psalm 55, 22 says, cast thy burdens upon the Lord and he shall sustain you. So anyway, that's what Jesus was doing. Well, they tried to distract him saying, when will the kingdom of God begin? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God isn't ushered in with visible signs. Now, you need to get a hold of this. This is our Lord and Savior Master that said this. It's not. He didn't say, you know, well, not right now. He said it isn't ushered in with visible signs. Huh? That got these Pharisees' attention. And if you and I, we love Jesus, we're already standing there. We didn't come up with that silly question, but... Our ears went up right then because even the disciples, when Jesus was fixing to ascend into heaven, they asked Jesus, uh, Jesus, when are you going to uh, have the kingdom come? They asked him basically the same question. Are you going to, in other words, you're going to kick the Romans out right now and have, you know, Israel become a nation right now? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times or seasons, you know. He said, but you'll receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And all of a sudden, Jesus is gone. And I'll finish, finish that out. And so while they're sitting there looking up in heaven, what happened? Two glowing angels were standing right there beside them. And they go, what are y'all doing looking up there for? This same Jesus is going to come back. We got work to do, guys. Come on, I'm with y'all now. Let's go. And we do. We've got angels encamped about us. Basically, we have a kingdom. So here's what he says. They said, when will the kingdom begin? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God isn't ushered in with visible signs. You won't be able to say, it has begun here in this place or there in that part of the country. For the kingdom of God, now this is not a little hallmark moment. Oh, the kingdom of God is within you. Pat, pat, pat. 
Listen, your life is supposed to be completely controlling everything around you. When you get knocked down, first, second, second Corinthians chapter 4, you're not put out. You're always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Jesus might be manifest in you. Paul was stoned a few minutes later. He's up again, you know. He's snake bit, you know, but he doesn't die. <clears throat> and all the other things associated <clears throat> with the life of Jesus. Watch this. You won't be able to say it's begun here in this part, in this place, or in that part of the country. For the kingdom of God is within you. Wow. The kingdom's within you? Yeah. So let's look at this just a moment. Let's go over to uh, the book of uh, Matthew. Passed it right here. Jesus talks about this again. And let's start in, uh, let's go to 13 first. And let me knock this out of the way. We've got some more kingdom <clears throat> oh, information here. Uh, let's start in verse 18. This is the sower sows the, <clears throat> sows the seed, which is sows the word, whatever. Verse 18, Matthew chapter 13, verse 18. Now, this is the explanation of the story I told you about the farmer planting grain. The hard path where some of the seeds fell represents the heart of a person who hears the good news about the kingdom and doesn't understand it. Now, oh, you got to remember, I don't care what your day is going like, this is good news. Even for someone who's outside the kingdom. How else is it going to ring a bell? Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to what? Preach the gospel to the poor. I mean, it's good news. And recovering of sight to the blind. Healing of the brokenhearted. Say, that gets your attention? Well, I'd, I'd take time to listen to you about Jesus right now. I have got so many problems right now. I ain't got time for this. Wait a minute. You'll take care of me financially? Yeah. Remember, it's the same thing Jacob said. Jacob was like, well, if you'll get me to point A and point B, and you'll take care of me, then you'll be my God. Ah, yes. We figure it out. Jesus is trying to explain this to us. Remember, you can't save yourself. We got to have Jesus anyway. So why don't you just start with the right source? So anyway, notice what happens here. And he, this guy doesn't understand it. Then Satan. Now who's that? Well, he's a real being. He's just a fallen angel. He's got a bunch of cronies work with him. They're angels too. They're fallen. They're not special insect looking, vampire looking beings out there. No, they're not. They're pretty well anemic. They've lost a lot of their ability that they had when they were working for God. They're not in very good shape, okay? <clears throat> put it this way. Their number uno weapon is what? Deception. <laughs> They'll try to say, I'm big, bad, whatever. And they're not. They do everything in their power to get you to quit believing this. Why don't they just snatch up all the Bibles out of the United States? That's what I would do if I was Satan. I'd have them all burned up. They can't. And guess who the problem is? You and I. We're stopping it. We're like, hmm, I believe that book. Well, he's got a problem with Richard, see? He's got a problem with you, too. We don't want to give this up. And notice, this is exactly what it says here. He doesn't understand it. Satan comes and snatches it away, the seed from his heart. The shallow, rocky soul represents the heart of a man who hears the message and receives it with real joy, but doesn't have much depth in his life, and the seeds uh, don't root very deeply. And after a while, when trouble comes, or persecution begins because of, hmm, I don't know what that because is. Well, it's because of the Bible. Because of his beliefs, his enthusiasm fades and he drops out. The ground covered, the thistles, represents a man whose heart hears the message and the cares of this life and his longings for money choke out God's word. And he does less and less for God. But anyway, 
you can see here that the kingdom of God is uh, what he's referring to. Look at verse 23. The good ground represents the heart of a man who listens to the message and understands it and goes out and brings uh, 30, 60, or even 100 others into the kingdom. What's all this kingdom? And how in the world could I drag even 100 more people into the kingdom of God if I'm not making a difference somehow? Watch his illustrations. Here's another illustration. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a farmer sowing uh, good seed into the field. Okay, now he's going to talk about the kingdom again. And he says, while he slept at night, his enemy came in and sowed thistles among the wheat. Well, you got to take a little pain with the good. No, you don't. He drew a parable about it. Let's skip on down here a little further. All this is about the kingdom. Look down here at verse 31. Uh, here's another illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like a tiny mustard seed. Now, why isn't it an aircraft carrier? Why isn't it the universe? Why isn't it something powerful and great that I can actually see? Well, actually it is. But watch this. The kingdom of heaven is like a tiny mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds. It's almost like it's the least likeliest thing to help me. Oh, no, it will help you. But becomes largest of all plants. And grows into a tree where birds can come and find shelter. Now, if you, if you bring this back to how do I get a hold of the kingdom of God? Well, he was just telling us the sower sows the word. In other words, it's the good news about Jesus. It's supposed to be working right now for us. Look at verse 33. He also used uh, this example. The kingdom of heaven can be, can be compared to a woman making bread. You know, win some, lose some. No. She wants that bread to work. She takes a measure of flour, mixes it in the yeast until it permeates every part of the dough. In other words, it's not a wasted time. It's supposed to work. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus keeps pulling these things about success is what it boils down to. He constantly used these illustrations when speaking to the crowds. In fact, because the prophet said that he would use so many of them, he never spoke to them without at least one illustration. For it had been prophesied, I will talk in parables and in mysteries, he goes on. Oh, since the beginning of time. Let's go a little further here. Uh, look at 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure a man discovered in a field. You know, we don't need to. Jesus, this is a bad one. Now you're likening the kingdom of God to money. We don't want to do that because Jesus is broke. Heaven's a poor house. No, it's not. Heaven's not a poor house. When God created this earth, he didn't say, you know what? I don't know where them jewels came from. Did you? I guess it's evolution. It just had, he put those jewels in there. He wants you to wear them. Jesus did not look shabby. Isaiah 53 talks about Jesus going to the cross. Isaiah 54 is prophetical, or in other words, the results of what happened going to the cross. And it says that I will set you uh, among fair colors and fair stones. I mean, all these jewels belong to you and I today. It's not for the rich. And, and because you see somebody with a pretty ring on, well, uh, you definitely know they're not saved. Are you kidding? It's really quite the contrary. God wants you blessed. But anyway, watch this. It's like a treasure a man discovered in a field. In his excitement. You know, we think there's, this is the reason we talk so much about what Jesus is doing in your life. Because this is what gets people's attention. Now, why is he so devoted to Jesus? Are you kidding me? <laughs> he keeps gas in my car. He fixes everything that's broke throughout the day. He fixes all my problems. Are you kidding me? <clears throat> in his excitement, he sold everything. He owned to get enough money to buy the field. Now, why? 
so he could be broke for the kingdom of heaven? No, he wasn't going to be broke. He discovered a treasure in that field. And he didn't tell anybody. Uh, hey, how much that field over there? And it was like, but what the guy did, he sold everything he had and he bought it. And notice this. To get the money, enough money to buy the field and to get the treasure too. Jesus, please do not teach greed. This has got nothing to do with greed. Greed is this. I want Jesus and I don't want you to have Jesus. No, I want all of us to have Jesus. That's not greed. My arm's hurting. I want to be healed. But I want you to be healed too. See, that's not greed. But there's nothing wrong with wanting to be healed. If you're hurting this morning, you should want to be healed. You should want to be made better. Look at verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. Ah, come on. The fake ones will do. Not, a, not, not apparently here. He discovered a real bargain, a pearl of great price, value, and sold everything he owned to purchase this thing. Well, <clears throat> again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a fisherman. He cast a net into the water, gathered in fish of every kind, valuable and worthless. Well, sometimes you need to eat a little bad fish. Well, that's not what happened here. Get rid of the bad fish. Keep the good ones. Wow. When the net is full, he drags it up on the beach, sits down, sorts out the edible ones into crates, and throws the others away. Oh, let's go to... Whoops, wrong spot. Let's go over here next to uh, the 10th chapter. Watch what happens here. Jesus calls his 12 disciples to them, and he gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of sickness and disease. What's going on there? The names of his 12 disciples were, he lists some names. Names in the Bible are very important. They let you know these things really took place. <clears throat> anyway, let's keep going. Watch what he says. Jesus said unto them, sent them out with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. And go and announce to them that what? The kingdom of heaven is near. Remember, he said the kingdom of God's within you. Okay. Well, what he, what he, what he, he already gave them authority over all sicknesses and all diseases. Now look what he said, dude. Heal the sick. Kind of like I'm a citizen of the United States. I've got right to this. I've got free speech. I've got a right to this. And all, you know your rights. Okay. Well, look at this. He said, heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cure the lepers. Cast out demons freely as you have received. Uh, I mean, excuse me. Give as freely as you have received. Wow. And remember what he told them to do? He said and announced. To them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Oh, let's go over to, whoops, I'm there on that one. That's the button I want. Here we go. John. John 10. Am I there? Yeah, John 10. Jesus saying, yes, I'm the sheep. He's the, <clears throat> the <clears throat> shepherd. Those who come by, come by the way of the gate will be saved and will go in and out and find green pastures. Again, Jesus, you're using the wrong illustration. We're in the world of hard knocks. You've got to have a tough time. That's not the way Jesus taught. I'm in the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but I'm in the kingdom of God. Well, you know, you are too. Notice he says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. 
Now, Jesus, you're going to open up a can of worms here because if you start to tell me that all my pain and all these things and that I'm losing and all these things, if that's associated with the enemy, uh, I want to know about it. Well, that's what he's saying. He said, my purpose is to give life in all its fullness. Wow. Well, what's going on here? Well, again, let's go over here to... uh, the book of Acts, well, before I did, let's go over here to Ephesians just a moment. Ephesians chapter 2. Look down here toward the end of this chapter. Look at this. Look at verse 19. Now you are no longer strangers and foreigners to heaven. I ain't been to heaven. I'm not in heaven yet. Well, see, remember the Bible says that the, don't look for the kingdom here and there, wherever the kingdom is within you. And Jesus told his disciples, when you go, tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Actually, one translation says it's here. It would make sense to me if something goes wrong and somebody comes along and says, well, hey, I'll pray for you. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Jesus is going to fix that. And they're going to go, whoa, where did I just walk? How did I get in here? You know, what happened? You're no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven, but you are members of God's very own family, citizens, look at this, of God's country. And you belong in God's household, look at this, with every other Christian. Praise God. In other words, what? Like we talk about in the United States, equal rights. Well, yes, every one of us has equal rights to healing and protection and all these things and answered prayer. And I mean, you ask for it, you get it. Praise the Lord. That's what we're talking about. Praise the Lord. Wow. Citizens of God's country. Look at it in verse 20. It goes and says, what a foundation you stand on now. I wonder how much of this you can earn. Well, let me back up just a minute. Just to make sure we got this. Uh, look at uh, look at verse fifteen. By his death, he ended the angry resentment between us caused by the Jewish laws that favored the Jews. That's the reason for your Old Testament. They had certain laws, and the reason for the animosity that the Jews have against the Christians today, because it's all theirs. They thought it was all theirs. Nobody else in the whole world could ever know God and go to heaven. It was just going to be them. (laughs) You can build that same little castle about yourself and say, well, everybody else, except you can lock yourself out. Everybody else is because they're such a great Christian. They can get healed. They can have God's blessings, but I can't. Would you tear that wall down? You're not going to get anywhere with that unbelief. We all have the same rights. By his death, he ended the angry resentment between us caused by the Jewish laws that favored the Jews and excluded the Gentiles. That'd be us. For he died to annul that whole system of Jewish laws. This still goes right over our head. We still think there's some laws somewhere. You know, I I don't know. I just, you know, I just think there's some things that, that I'm probably not doing. Yeah, like some sins, like we say, like in the Baptist church, we'll say, you know, uh, and Lord, forgive us of sins of omission. The ones we don't know are sins. It really doesn't make any difference. Jesus died for all your sins. You can try to drag up something that's not there if you want to, but makes no difference. Those laws are gone. As you read your Bible, the more you see these things. Romans chapter 8. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Some people say, well, the law of sin and death is, you know, I wanted to do good and I did it. And so I didn't do good. And so therefore that law still got me bound. You are free from that law whether you make mistakes or not. You're going to make mistakes. 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 2 tells you that. But anyway, by his death, he ended all this stuff. 
Look at this. Then he took the two groups that had been opposed to each other and made them parts of himself. In other words, the Jews and the rest of the world. Thus he fused us together and, and uh, to become one new person. And at last we there was peace together to become, excuse me, I messed up. And fused us together to become one new person. And at last there was peace. As parts of the same body, our anger against each other has disappeared. In other words, they got it and we don't. No, I don't have to worry about that anymore. We all got it. For both of us have been reconciled to God. And so the feud ended at last on the cross. No, I thought it was something I did. No, it's on the cross. And he has brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were very far away from him and to us Jews who were near. And now all of us, whether Jews or Gentiles, may come to God the Father with the Holy Spirit's help because of what Christ has done for us. You've got to get that right. It's what Christ has done for us. He gave us all this. And he says, now you're no longer strangers and foreigners. But you're members of God's own family, citizens of God's country. Now, let's go see some of this in action again. Go over here to the book of, uh, the book of Acts. And this same word shows up again. Look at here at uh, chapter 8. Uh, uh, let me close this down. A little persecution there. And Paul was being a bad guy at the time. But he's fixing to be a member of <clears throat> the kingdom. Watch what happened here. So verse 5, Philip, for instance, went to the city of Samaria and told the people. See, let's just say we were in this group here. The people. Now, my problem's bigger than Dustin's. <laughs> but actually, I ain't worried about Dustin's. I have my own problem, you know. So I'm part of the people. Therefore, about Christ. Crowds listened intently. That's all our job is. Listen. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, what he had to say because of the miracles he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. To who? The people. Well, let's keep reading here. wonder what kind of things he was saying. Look down here at verse 12. But now they believe Philip's message that Jesus was the Messiah and his words concerning the kingdom of God. Wow. Remember, Jesus said, oh, let's go over and look at that just a moment. Oh, <clears throat> I keep hitting that. Here we go. Let's go hit that. Close it. Here we go. Oh, John chapter 17. What's this? Oh, let's see. Let's take it from, oh. Oh, well, take verse 15. John chapter 17, verse 15. We're sort of sneaking, we're eavesdropping in on a prayer that Jesus was praying. John was close enough to hear it. And Jesus says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. Hmm. Where would we have gone if he could? Well, obviously, Jesus was saying we belong wherever the Father was. But notice this, but to keep them safe from Satan's power. King James says to keep them from the evil. In other words, killing, stealing, and destroying. Now watch this. They are not part of this world <laughs> any more than I am. Now if words mean anything, and if I'm listening this morning, I am a part of the kingdom of God. Now notice the separation. I am not a part of this world. It's the reason we sing these, these songs. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Well, believe that. 
Don't just say, well, I'm passing through this horrible stuff. You should have a smile on your face. You are testifying to a whole earth, just like creation itself is. Scientists cannot explain how they can't run away from knowing this world is not that old. All the signs are out there. Niagara Falls, for one, it's receded. They can watch how far it recedes. And if this place had been here a billion years, it would have already knocked out that spot. But it's not, you know. And other things. I won't get into that. But anyway, creation is testifying about God. And your life and my life is the same. Romans chapter 8 says we're testifying. Wow. So we're not of this world. No more than Jesus is. So get that sword out and say, listen, devil, if you're going to mess with me, I'm going to tear you up with God's word. I'm down here for a reason and you're not going to ruin my life, devil. They're not a part of this world any more than I am. Make them pure and holy through teaching them your words of truth. As you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. Woo. And I, let's see what he says next. Verse 19. Ah, let's see. And I consecrate myself to meet their need for growth and true holiness. Verse 20 says, I'm not praying for these alone, but for future believers who will come to me because of the testimony of these. So the same thing. So he was not only, it was not only those guys, but for us. Wow. Oh, Jesus certainly, uh, let me show you one more thing right here while we're looking at that. Oh. Verse 9. My plea is for the world, but not for those you've given me because they belong. Excuse me. My plea is not for the world, but for those you've given me because they belong to you. And all of them, since they are mine, belong to you. And you've given them back to me and everything else of yours. So they are my glory. Now I'm leaving this world and leaving them behind and coming to you, Holy Father. Keep through your own care all those who you have given me so that they'll be united just as we are. The, uh, the King James, he says, keep them. The word keeps protect. See, look, look what he says when he explains what protect is in verse 12. During my time here, I have kept, there it is, I have kept safe within your family all that you gave me. I guarded them so that not one perished, uh-oh, except the son of hell as the scriptures foretold. And I like to say this, the scriptures have got to say you're doomed before you're going to be doomed. And the scriptures never say you're going to be doomed. Of course, he's referring to Judas here. But guess what? Said Jesus said, I guarded them so that not one perished. Now, this is the kingdom of God. Real quickly, let me go to the, uh, to the 18th chapter, just a moment. The 18th chapter, Jesus is standing. Oh, uh, he's standing before Pilate. Look what he says. Uh, verse 33. Then Pilate went to the palace and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews? He asked him. Verse 34. King, as you use the word or as the Jews use it, Jesus asked. Pilate, he's getting ticked off. Am I a Jew? Your own people and their chief priest. Basically, he's saying, look, they sent you in here. What? Uh, they brought you here. Why? What have you done? Jesus said, I am not. Look at this. An earthly king. If I were, my followers would have fought when I was arrested by the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Oh, well, one day it's coming. No, it is coming. Remember, when he went to the cross, he was Lord. When he rose from the dead, he was Lord. When they came and got him, let's see, this is in the 18th chapter, the very first verses of the 18th chapter, they come to get Jesus. And Jesus said, well, who are you looking for? 
and they go, Jesus of Nazareth, she says, I'm he, and it blew them all over. They fell down. My kingdom's not of this world. Pilate says, but you are a king then. What did Jesus say? Yes. Yes. Wow. Let me close with one more verse here. Let's go to chapter Acts. Well, Acts chapter 7. And let's watch a fella here. And let's watch the kingdom of God. This is where you and I are today. I mean, you have got angels encamped about you. The book of Hebrews says the same thing. It tells us that we are... uh, we're already in the heavenly Jerusalem. We are coming to Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. How can I be? How can I come unto the heavenly Jerusalem, fifteen hundred miles high, fifteen hundred miles high? The Bible tells us the kingdom of God's within you. Jesus didn't say, you know, I'm going to be king. He said, oh, I am a king, just not of this world. And wherever he went, he rocked everything, and exactly, and he told the disciples to do the same thing. Okay, let me get to this. Here's Stephen. Now, they're going to stone him, but I want you to see something. He made all these people mad. And look what happens here. We'll pick it up here at verse 51. You stiff-necked heathen. <laughs> now, he'd been telling the Bible all the way till he got here. He says, you guys always don't want to hear about Jesus. You must forever resist the Holy Spirit. Now, remember who he was talking to. He was talking to people of the cloth. He wasn't talking to the town people. He was talking to people that hated Jesus. They didn't want anything to do with Jesus. You forever resist the Holy Spirit, but your fathers did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. Yes, and you deliberately destroyed God's laws, though you uh, received them. Ah, let's see. From the hands of angels. The Jewish leaders were stung to fury by Stephen's accusations, and they ground their teeth in rage. Now, remember, the kingdom of God is within Stephen, okay? Full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily upward into heaven and saw, what did he see? The glory of God and Jesus standing. Now, the Bible says he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But right here, he's standing. So where was Jesus the whole time? It's just like it is here. You're in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is so much wrapped up into your life. But everybody's just like waiting on you and I. Will we believe it or not? Like Pilate said, are you a king? Well, as you say the word or as I would say the word. Remember, Jesus said, yeah, I am a king. I'm just not of this world. He saw heaven opened and Jesus, the Messiah, standing Beside God at his right hand. And I fully believe Jesus was standing there saying, what do you want me to do? And of course, what did Stephen say do? Stephen said, hey, receive my spirit. And Jesus said, all right, come on up here. Praise the Lord. Because the next guy they tried to stone was Paul. And he flat out just walked right away from it. The disciples stood around him and he got up and he was stoned. I mean, they nailed him. One last verse here. <clears throat> This is the reason you have a picture of this. David just treated it like it was so. David had an earthly kingdom, but he acted like he was involved in in some other kingdom that just had him covered all the time. Oh, Lord, so many are against me. So many seek harm to me. Uh, I have so many enemies. I mean, I don't know what your problem is today, but you qualify for this. So many say that God will never help me. You may be telling yourself today, I don't know if God's going to get me out of this. Well, Change and and be your own little cheerleader there and say, no, Lord, you will help me. 
Verse three, but you are my shield, my glory, and my only hope. You alone can lift up my head now bowed in shame. I cried to the Lord and he heard me from his temple in Jerusalem. I lay down and slept in peace and woke up safely. Now, how in the world are you going to do that if you're not in a kingdom that's totally protecting you? For the Lord is watching over me. Wow. I mean, that's the end of the psalm right there. Well, just a few more verses. And now, although 10,000 enemies surround me on every side. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Sure, Richard. Yes, sure. David thought it was sure. And he'd been there before. He is a king. He's seen those troops. He had those little messengers come in saying, David, I think we're in real deep bad stuff right now. Uh, I just saw the Amalekites and they teamed up with the Moabites and they got us outnumbered, you know. And what did David do? He said, I'm not going to be afraid to a thousand people at my side. I'm not afraid. I will cry to him. Now, this is where we are today. Are you going to do this? I mean, this, this is Psalm 3. It belongs to you. It surely wouldn't take you long to figure out where was that psalm. Read one. It wasn't there. One, two. You'd find it. Arise, O Lord. Oh, let me help you out. If it be your will. Quit adding that stuff. Are you kidding? Nowhere in here did David say, you know, if you want this to happen. David knew he was a part of the kingdom. He knew he had citizens' rights. He knew God would help him. You do not hear that kind of stuff here. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. And he will slap them on the face, insulting them and breaking off their teeth. Now look at this last part, and if this doesn't sum it all up. For what? For salvation comes from God. What joys he gives to all his people. Now, would you think we're part of all his people? Oh, yeah. That's the reason it's good news. It's good news. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you by your stripes we're healed. If we're not feeling good, you'll fix that. Praise the Lord. Whether it's, it's a headache or something serious, maybe your back or your foot or what, it makes no difference or it's, or it's terminal, they might say. Lord, you'll fix that. You're the God that healeth things. what you said. Same thing's true, though we might be devastated financially with something. It makes no difference. We've been young and been old, David said, and we've never seen the righteous forsaken. Lord, take care of those bills, whatever they may be. And Lord, if there's anything we didn't name, might not be sickness, might not be money. It's just something else, and it's just bugging us, and we can't, we, we're just hurting over it. Lord, fix that. You said many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. So get us out of it. And Lord, that doesn't leave anything left but for us to go tell others what great things you're doing. We cannot be silent because of all the things you're doing for us. You are so great, Jesus. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Hallelujah.